This is the Ultimate Guide to Being a Birth Partner, the podcast for anyone supporting a pregnant woman to achieve her dream birth. I'm Sally Ann Beresford, a doula, author and antenatal teacher, and throughout these episodes I will be sharing with you tried and tested tips that help you to ensure that any birth you attend is a positive experience. Hello! This week we are talking about the role of the birth partner. Now I know and fully understand that this is something we talk about on a weekly basis but today I wanted to really focus on the nitty gritty, the parts of being a birth partner that you really do want to know and understand. Let's start with being on call because that is something that is important. It's important for her to have confidence that she knows where to find you at all times just in case labour begins. My recommendation is that you change your ringtone for her number and anyone else's number that may be contacting you with regards to the birth. So making sure that they are all in one contact and you know that you've possibly even switched on the emergency override button so that if for any reason your phone accidentally switched off, it would still ring for that person. Another thing that I like to recommend is that you don't talk about your plans too much with a pregnant woman. She doesn't really need to know the ins and outs of where you're going to be at all times because that's going to affect her production of oxytocin. She is only really needing to know and understand that you will be there for her when she needs you. So depending on how far away you live, if you live in the same house, maybe it's depending on where you work, make sure that you have given her the confidence to know that she can get hold of you at any point and that it's not too far for you to travel to get to her if she needs you. In my experience, most women will only go into labour when they know that you're close by or they can reach you easily. And if you're not close, they'll probably wait until you are. I once had a client where her due date was around the time that I was on holiday And I'd said to her that I would be really happy to support her. um, But she was obviously anxious that I was away. And I said, don't worry, don't worry. You'll wait until I got back. So when I landed, I messaged her to say that I was back in the country. And she told me that she'd had a few false alarms in the run up to my return. But actually, she waited until the following evening to go into labour properly because she knew that she wanted me there. And this is a pretty typical story that I hear from other doulas and midwives and the women will often wait. The next thing I recommend is in preparation for labour, you sit down with her and go through the birth bag. Have a look and see what she's packed and where she's packed it and why. What is it for? What do you need? What will you 
want to be getting out of the bag to use during the labour. My recommendations are always bendy straws for the drinks because it's important for her to be able to um, be in any position she wants to and you still be able to give her a drink and get to her at any angle. Also, washcloths, flannels, to be able to make them warm or cold depending on how she's feeling. Particularly important for later on in labour when she may be very warm, very hot and she would benefit from a nice cold flannel on her forehead or round her shoulders or on her back somewhere to help keep her nice and cool. The other thing of course is snacks. It's really important to try and follow my protects tool which is in the birth partner chapter of the book. Looking and making sure that you follow all of the elements of that, in particular the refreshment section so that you're thinking about what to give her when she is in labour, snacks, drinks etc. But you really do need to talk about these in advance. Make sure that you've had conversations about the foods that she will like and also that you're going to need to encourage her to eat even if she doesn't feel like eating. And that is a very important part of your job. Don't forget that it is so, so common for me to turn up at a client's house when I'm going for an interview and find out that during their first birth, they didn't eat or drink. And there's no surprise then to me that she ran out of steam. She had no energy left to get through her labour and birth. Of course, not every woman feels very hungry in labour. We're not talking about her eating a massive lasagna, although I have seen women eat lasagna in labour. What I'm talking about is very small snacks, little and often. Things that are just going to keep her going if she can handle it. Another thing that I've seen before is a woman who really wasn't hungry and really couldn't eat in labour, but then made the decision because labour was long and hard to have an epidural. What happened next was she was told, well, you can't have anything to eat now because you've had an epidural, so you're effectively no longer able to eat. And she was starving. She was absolutely, you know, horrified. And in fact, after a conversation, we did say nobody's going to stop you from eating. It's your body and it's your choice. That is their recommendation. But I would say to you, rather than being put in that situation, make sure she eats small regular snacks as often as she can tolerate them. The other thing you need to check is that there are snacks for you because you're going to be in a situation where for the most part you're probably not going to be able to leave the room. So ensuring that there are plenty of things that you can eat as well is important. I mean the average length of labour varies so massively but it isn't unusual for you to be in the birth room regardless of whether that's at home in a midwife-led unit or in a hospital for you know 12 or more hours which is a pretty long time when you're hungry so you don't want to be in a situation where your blood sugar levels dip and you're struggling to get by because you haven't replenished your stocks too. So last week we covered positions and 
knowing and understanding what positions that are available for her to get into to keep the baby in a great position for birth is important. But when you're in some environments, let's say a hospital birth room, there are often little or no um, facilities other than a bed. And my recommendation is always try and keep her off a bed if you can. But if all you have is a bed, learning and looking at the ways that you can still facilitate gravity assisted upright positions is very, very important. Because as soon as you enter that room, the environment becomes your domain. You have to make it as comfortable for her as possible. So I would turn the lights out, get her into a leaning forward position, even if that means getting her on the bed, but raising the back of the bed up so that she can lean over it. Alternatively, side lying using a peanut ball or a pile of cushions would also be useful. My favourite, however, is to sit on a ball lift the bed up so that it's completely flat but it raises up to her height and then get her to lean over the edge or side of the bed where she can rest and flop and stay as comfortable as she can. Typically you would have an ensuite bathroom that isn't the case for all hospitals but if there is a bathroom in there then obviously it's really handy for um, her to be able to go and sit on the toilet regularly. And this is very much your job, recommending to her every hour or two that she pops to the toilet because if the bladder is full, it can actually stop the baby from moving downwards. Now, assuming that you have a safety word in place, I don't want you to coach her too much. There's nothing more annoying than the birth partner saying too many kind and wonderful things. If she really wants you to keep her going with lots of praise, then obviously go with her and what she wants from you. But typically what I would say is stay quiet. Stay as quiet as you can and say very little. Only offer the odd word of praise and encouragement. The quieter that you can make it, the darker you can make it, the better. It's all about you just being present but not doing anything. This is a really great phrase that doulas use, maybe midwives too. Being not doing. Being with her but not feeling the need to fix anything or get involved in making anything happen. Always just sit back quietly and let her get on with it. In early labour, I would say it's quite important to try and stay out of her way as much as you can. That means that if you are woken up at three o'clock in the morning and you know that she's in labour, you are doing her a favour by staying where you are. Unless this is a second or subsequent baby and things are happening quickly, then you should stay where you are until she does tell you she would require support. Because if you get up, you're inevitably going to be bringing excitement to the birth at this point, which is normal. It's natural, but best avoided if possible. So my recommendation, especially to first timers, is to always stay quiet, stay in the dark and try and go back to sleep. 
If she needs you, she will tell you. She will definitely ask you for support. If she doesn't need you, stay out of her eyeline, out of her way and say nothing. As labour begins establishing, this is the time when your hands-on support may well be required. But remember, being, not doing. Don't feel bad if you're not actually doing very much at all. I will always tell my clients that if I walk out of a birth, the baby is born and I have done nothing, that was the best possible birth it could be. Now, of course, every woman is different and every birth is different. So there is always the possibility that the woman you're supporting is going to need a lot more from you than you realise. That could involve lots of massage. It could involve rubbing her legs. It could involve putting sacral pressure on her lower back. There are so many things that you may need to do, but it's difficult to know until the day exactly what she will need. Most importantly is the discussion about these different elements in advance. The other thing I wanted to cover in this session is the role of advocacy because as a birth partner sometimes you are in a situation whereby you need to step up and actually speak up for her. For example if a decision needs to be made then you need to support her in making that decision because there's nothing worse than a woman coming out of her birth experience feeling like she lost control. So this is something you're going to have to talk to her about again in the antenatal period. What kinds of things is she happy for you to speak up for her about and understanding the kinds of decisions that need to be made. Now, I have a chapter in my book called A Healthy Baby Is Not All That Matters and I'm going to be doing an entire podcast episode on some of the elements in that chapter. But I wanted to bring it up in this episode because this is important for you to know and understand. Of course, the baby is important. Of course, the baby needs to be born as healthily as possible. The point is you don't want her to be broken in the process. You don't want the experience that she goes through to be so traumatic that she is unable to recover from an experience that was so awful. She never wants to have another child again. And I don't say this lightly because at the end of the day, no one walks into their birth experience thinking it's going to be awful. But I'm sure you all know someone who has had a very difficult birth experience. Unfortunately, there are many situations that pregnant women or labouring women find themselves in where something is being told to them without them being part of a discussion. That would involve somebody walking in and saying, hop up on the bed, we're going to do X, Y or Z to you. Or, I'm going to book you in for a scan, induction, etc. That is not a discussion. It is not about the woman making a well-informed decision. And often in those situations, women have the most traumatic of birth experiences because things happen to them without them realising. 
So when I talk about advocacy, I'm talking about these situations, times when you can jump in with asking questions by using something like the popular acronym BRAIN, which stands for B, benefits. What are the benefits of what is being recommended? R is for risks. Are there any risks involved? A for alternatives. If any, what are they? I for instincts. What are her instincts telling her? And N is for nothing. What if you want to wait a while? What would happen then? When you have this information, you can ask the midwife or doctor to leave you alone for a little while so that you can have a discussion in private. And then when you are ready to let them know your decision, you can go and find them. So be really mindful that these kinds of questions can truly help anyone during their birth experience. In fact, the BRAIN acronym can be used during antenatal appointments as well as the birth because these are the kinds of questions that come in handy at any time. OK, let's have a quick recap. Talk to her about being on call. Make sure that you change your ringtone and switch on to emergency override in case you accidentally switch your phone off. This will give her confidence to know that she can contact you at any time. Go through the birth bag with her. Make sure you understand where everything is. Make sure you understand what everything is for. This is really, really valuable. Work through the Protects tool that I have written about in my book. Make sure that you understand all elements of what is involved, especially refreshments, oxytocin and being quiet. Those for me are really, really important. And lastly, talk to her about advocacy. What does she want you to stand up for her for? What can you talk about in advance about the things that she does want and that she doesn't want? Make sure you have a copy of her birth plan and make sure that you have a good understanding about why the things that she wants to achieve are so important to her. Okay, I'm going to leave it there for this episode and next time I'm going to be talking to you about sounds and breathing. So I look forward to that. See you then. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Ultimate Guide to Being a Birth Partner with me, Sally Ann Beresford. If you enjoyed it, please leave a review and don't forget to hit subscribe. If you are on Instagram, you will find me at The Ultimate Birth Partner. Please feel free to follow me for more ideas on supporting women through the birth of a baby. If you would like to purchase a copy of the book that accompanies this podcast, then head over to Amazon and type in Labour of Love, The Ultimate Guide to Being a Birth Partner. If you would like to work with me on a one-to-one basis, visit my website www.birthability.co.uk or email me hello at birthability.co.uk.